Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And we are back, folks. Welcome back to Business Story of the Week. I am your co-host, Joshua. And today, like many other days, we dive into the stories of entrepreneurs, business minds, leaders, innovators in any space, you know, from business to health to well-being. And I stress on that today because we have ourselves a guest that is revolutionizing our understanding of emotional well-being. Dr. Mirai has dedicated his career to empowering individuals to overcome emotional barriers and achieve their full potential through his unique approach to psychology. Dr. Ardashir Miran is a visionary psychologist with advanced degrees from Columbia University. Again, revolutionizing our understanding of emotional well-being with his pioneering theory you are not depressed. You are unfinished. Dr. Miran, as much as I would love to list all your achievements and all your accomplishments, I wanted to end that introduction right there because what a line. You are not depressed. You are unfinished. But before we get into this, doctor, how are you? Thank you for being with us. How is your day? Great. Thank you so much, Joshua, for asking. And it's great to be with you and with your listeners. I'm doing great. I live right outside San Francisco and it's beautiful sunny day. It's typically is raining this time of the year, but it's beautiful. It's afternoon. Birds are chirping. My golden retriever is playing in the backyard. Life is good. Thank you. Life is fantastic. That does sound like a good life, doctor. And yes. it sounds like a finished life, but we need to get into that. We need to ask what that concept is. But doctor, I always like to begin with begin this like I always do. I want to ask you, how did the journey begin? What is the story of Dr. Ardashir? What sort of things that happened early on in your childhood? Anything mm-hmm. that happened mm-hmm. in your journey that inspired you, that led you down this path mm-hmm. of right healthcare, so to speak, yeah. psychology. Yeah, thank you. Great question. And I think the question is that the journey of discovery, I didn't know that I'm doing this work. Yes. All I know as a child, as far as I remember, I was a very curious child mm-hmm. that more or less I was always in trouble because I was asking the question I wasn't supposed to ask, opening the doors or cupboard or going behind the the um, closed doors or different neighborhoods that I wasn't so, supposed to ask. I was always very daring, very curious, and very almost had the unsatiable needs to learn firsthand. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust what adults told me. Very, very soon I realized adults, they are impatient. They just give you answer to say, get, get away here, leave me alone. So I had to go and discover myself. And one of the areas of discovery was as I became to early, uh, early like you know, t- 10, 15, and my teenage years, 
was why there are so many unhappy people around me, my family, mom, dad, my relatives, and very soon myself, that there's a look of unhappiness. People are tired, pure, people are exhausted. There's a sadness, sorrow you see in their faces. Yeah. And I always wonder what's behind it. So I was asking questions. Sometimes it was finances. Sometimes people were not happy with in relationships. They were angry, their jobs, the, the cars they had, and so on. And I felt there's more to their stories. And uh, I was on a quest to learn that. So I went to psychology. My plan was to actually become a farmer. I thought, I thought people are crazy. You know, just get away from them, go to farming. But uh, my aunt told me, Artashir, you know, you have a curious mind about people. Go to psychology. And I had no idea what it's psychology and what psychologists do. So I just went there. And I was a very good student uh, and always on the top of my class. And I was just learning whatever there was to learn about psychology, psychiatry, biology, philosophy, history, about understanding people. And in graduate school, I got my doctorate, triple major, I have multiple master's certification, and gradually became to answer two questions, two questions. One is that, what is depression? And why is healing depression is so hard and drawn out? I learned that in field of psychology, there's a lot of descriptions, a lot of books, articles, just do a search about depression. You get a list of symptoms mm-hmm. that about the diet, about the diminished sense of um, joy, um, fluctuation in weight, uh, concentration. You just feel doom and gloom and just feel heavy. These are all symptoms. I couldn't find but what is depression. And as, and as I started to do my clinical work, working with patients and also coaching on depression, I learned that people tell their stories in certain ways, which is not about their symptoms. It's about a sense of searching for something. There was, it was a sense of grieving, sense of longing, fragments of a life they've seen or they're hoping and they want to go home back to that life. That's where the idea of the book and the title Unfinished, that people who are depressed, actually they are seeking something to finish a life, a way of being and hope that somehow I feel eluded them in life. So that was my own story. That was my mom and dad's story. That is a beautiful story to put it in. That is like, what a, what a way to kind of explain it and connect it to your life and kind of just put that in such a way that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is why we are unfinished. This is why we feel a certain way. I love that you said that there's a certain sense of grief and longing because we just want, we want something. Right. Yeah. And it's always a challenge to say, like, we want something, but what is that something? Right. That's right. And Dr. Muran, uh, this is something I want to ask, of course. And I, of course, is the concept alone, the line alone is going to resonate deeply. It resonated deeply with me, but I'm pretty sure it does with our listeners and audiences as well. You are not depressed. You are unfinished. Part of this, I understand, is 
on your book there is what you call the emotional bill of rights am i correct mm -hmm. the, the bill of emotional rights yeah the bill of emotional rights. emotional rights yes how how does it work tell us about it how does it yeah, empower yeah. individuals to find resolution and to find growth? yeah yeah wonderful wonderful so these days um, whenever somebody comes to me a client which they find me through recommendation or through my website or my writings mm -hmm. and they reach out to me across the globe asia canada us um, the, and uh, middle east and they say i'm depressed literally this is what i tell them bring my hands like this and say dear friend the reason you're depressed this is what it means that there are experiences in life that they did not happen for you there are emotional needs that they matter to you, that you didn't get to experience them the way that they meant something for you. Yes. Your yes. depression is grieving for those, going to those emotional needs. Wow. So, those, so those needs became the backbone of my work, the Bill of Emotional Rights. And I learned that when, you, when people are depressed, Deep down, there's a sense of longing, there's a sense of grieving for going home mm -hmm. to find something. What is that? There are needs we have. Nobody told us that. Yes. Nobody shared with us. There's actually a scientific gap we have. But there are seven essential needs we have. And I'm going to list them and then describe them. Is the need, I belong, I'm boundless. I am complete, I matter, I make, I am, and I soar. Okay. These are all felt needs inside. Right. And what we are longing is to be feeling those needs, one or multiple of them at any stage in life. Once we do that, we literally see depression shift, morphs, and turns to energy. Our depression is a signal from me to me, from you to you, saying that those needs, I'm longing, I'm missing something in my human experience right now. Go home. Go back and find what has been missing for you. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're saying the concept of going home. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to put it. It's like going home to finding that is what is essential to you. That's right. And it's a fantastic way to kind of uh, address what these emotional struggles are because oftentimes we don't have a name for it. We don't have a, yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, we have a name for depression, right? But we don't have a yeah. name for what is missing, what it is, That's why right. are we That's sad, right. what is, where we, what are we trying to look for? So yeah. this is a great approach when 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 you mentioned this, it's like a great approach to again, like addressing emotional struggles. That's right. But it's diverging from conventional therapies. The conventional Absolutely. things that we are, Absolutely. We, we are used to when confronting this. How do you do your results, you know, oriented strategies or these strategies and methods that you apply? How do they offer tangible transformations? Wonderful, and, wonderful. And I love, I love to ask this question. 
Tell us about stories that have where you've ex presented or you've shown these teachings and these methods of yours. And what are the cases and stories that stand out to you? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great question. So in today's mental health, when you go to see a clinician about depression, by and large, the work is focused about the symptoms of depression. You have your diet, your concentration, yes. feeling heavy, the lack of joy. You could be suicidal thought, and it just feel life is in the dark, and you want to go there for help. And the focus of therapy is managing your symptoms so that somehow you get some stability, you get some light, you get some joy coming back. It's symptom management. So over the years, I went to seven psychologists myself in New York and San Francisco, used to live in New York, and it, uh, also psychiatrists taking medication. What would happen, my symptoms would drop, but within a few months would come back again. So it was all about symptom management. This is very common. And people who are in the clinical field also, they know that treating de depression can be very lengthy, very long-term. And some of accepted that it takes that long. So the way that my work happened is very different. That when you come to see, um, the, to see me as a therapist, two things to know that when you're depressed, almost always you're also very anxious. This is important to know. That you can be very anxious. Anxious is that the high level of stress that more or less we are a state of very um, arousal that you feel that things are happening where you don't feel a sense of unease. Anxiety means a sense of stability, control, and predictability. We feel life is not in control. I don't have predictability. We feel imbalanced. Yes. Anxiety and depression feed each other. So when somebody's depressed, there's underlining anxiety going on. Yes. And you cannot heal the depression unless you also help heal the anxiety because there's a balance between them. So when somebody comes to me, and this is what I put in my book in multiple chapters, the first thing I do, um, those emotional rights that I shared with them, people take a very short survey, takes under five minutes about those emotional rights. How do they show up in your life right now? Right. That indicates a level of fulfillment that you have or you don't in your life right now. Right. That highlights a way that you're operating in your life in terms of emotions, things you're seeking, things you're longing for. So that becomes a baseline. Then in the very first session and subsequent session, instead of me starting, tell me about the dear client, tell me about you, what brings you here, what you want to work on, the very first thing we do. I teach and help my client to settle in their body using the somatic psychology work about settling into your nervous system, feeling more presence into your five senses, feeling a sense of connection, sense of being relatedness to other individuals. It could be your pet and to yourself. So you come out of isolation and also a sense of agency. Agency means control, that I'm not a victim, that I'm not just a somebody who watches the live movie that actually have power. I have sense of the 
the drive to make things happen. So that is important as a way to settle in your true power of here and now. Number one, when we do that, the next part is that given your emotional rights, what is calling you? Where is the energy? Where you feel the biggest sense of angst, frustration, or invitation or excitement? You always follow the energy. Your body, your internal being knows what matters. And based upon that, where you go is guides about what is important to you at this stage right now in your life. Mm -hmm. For many people, the need of I belong, sense of connection is important. There are, this is unfortunate actually, the tragic aspects of the modern life that we can be in relationships, in family, in the corporate environment, community, amongst many people, but feel isolated. Partly, this work is about how do you come out of isolation and forge a relationship that is directional, it's good for them, good for you, and you feel relatedness. Mm-hmm. The other needs that is very important that many people, they're successful, they're doing very well, but they feel what I share with the world is not really my belief. Mm-hmm. My belief, my conviction, my story is held back. Mm-hmm. This is about do you know your story? This is the need of I am, sharing that with others. So those needs come up and I help people start to rebuild. The essence of healing is restoration and integration. Restore what's important to you. Restore what is calling you, where the energy is. And when you do that, you literally will see your depression, your heaviness start to shift. Morphs and you get more energy. And so the journey of healing happens, help people settle, and then in those needs that they come up, find areas of most importance for them and move toward creating bigger lift and more energy to restore a life that is meaningful. That's just, uh, first of all, everything that you've been, you've shared up to this point, not only resonates, but they are beautiful. It's just an optimism to it. Because, you know, it's not just, I love how you said that psychology today is mostly just symptom management, but there are deeper things that we need to address. Why do people keep going off their medication? Why do people keep, keep, never seem to overcome their depression? It's because something deeper is at play and psychology today seems to fail to address that. And you are addressing that now with your methods and the, with the way that you're doing, I love that you said that follow this calling. What is calling you? What is that strength? Where is it coming from? A belonging, the need of I am. To yeah. me, I kind of, I feel like at least in my, in my interpretation, it's like it's finding a purpose, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't have that purpose, you really don't have direction. That is perhaps That's right. why most of us feel unfinished, so to speak. That's right. Dr. How do we start getting to that? Like, there's one thing that, okay, there's one thing to following what is calling you and, you yeah. know, following these essential needs, making sure they have in your life, looking for that sense of belonging or looking for that purpose. But if there was one thing that you would tell someone today, our on our audiences or listeners, one thing that they would do every day, how can yeah, yeah. they go from a life, how can they overcome an unfinished life? 
and make yeah, yeah, have a yeah. more complete full life. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. There, there is not one thing that is unique to everybody. The way you start, you follow the energy. So I want to share the, what the seven emotional rights are. Please, please. The way you do, you follow the energy, what's coming up. And the, the way it is, there are seven rights. Usually there's one emotional right that is a source of energy, excitement, wants you, the, you want more of that, you know, like brings more. It's almost your North Star. Ah, I love that. that. That means so much to me. I want to experience more of that. Usually there's one light, uh, one right, that is a source of sorrow, some source of regret, heartbreak. Ah, I wish I had more of that. And it really hurts you when you think about it. Then there's one right, typically, that is a source of stability for you. Right. Source of, ah, I can go here. This is good. When in doubt, I can go there to find my gravitas, my livelihood, in a sense of, you know, comfort. So let me describe those seven rights, and then I come back and answer that. So the, the rights that I start, one is a sense of, I belong. This is about the sense of connection, yes. sense of love, sense of being attended to, be seen. And you see others. This this happens right at birth with the mother or caregiver taking care of a child. You know, we hold the child, you look into his or her eyes and you love the baby. That's a sense of somebody loves me. You belong. I have a community. I have a tribe. I belong to a relationship. And then through life, we form new relationships with friends, with our partners, with our in our place of worship, at work. We are created as communal beings. Humans are created as communal beings. There's no such thing as I heal by myself. We heal when we're connected. In fact, we know in the Western world and United States especially, there's a pandemic of loneliness. That is a fertile ground for depression. When we are lonely, we are depressed. Depression comes up in those times. So it's a sense of connection. The next need is I'm boundless. This is about our bodies. Yes. The modern society has taught us incorrectly that our feelings, our life happen in our head, in our brain. That is incorrect. That in fact, the term mental health, mental illness, there's nothing mental about it. Our emotions our experience in the body labeled by brain, our brain can name, recognize emotions, but we feel our emotions by the way our, by heart rate, by sensation, by breathing pattern, by the, the way our nervous system, our gut, you know, like a shooting pain down our spine, our skin, our hormonal, our experience of the world happens in our body. But we haven't been taught how to listen to our entire being. And uh, we know from research, document very well, that when we, in a given meeting, brainstorming meeting, we are actually standing up, moving, using our arms, writing on the board. We are more creative. We have more ideas, better ideas. The same thing in classroom. We ask a student to sit, be quiet, use your words, use your head. We teach our children to basically a key part of their being, just ignore it, it's all in your head. 
That's incorrect. Unboundedness is about the, the way we are as one integrated human being or one being in the nature, running, jumping, moving, and using our entire being to experience the world and how we feel that our emotions to bring it into the world. We feel more alive when we do that. The next need is the need I am complete. That is about understanding that we are designed to be in here and now. Our nervous system in our body, when we feel emotions, our nervous system is always in here and now. Body doesn't have any memory of time. Yet many of us are burdened with shame, guilt, and a sense of, I wish something different happened in life. I wish my past was different. I was born different way, had a different family, a lot of regrets. This is about realizing that healing life happens here and now, as you are. We are designed biologically to be reborn, literally create a new beginning each time. This is about being here and now. Whatever happened in the past, good or bad and ugly, we can let go and start beginning right now. Wow. Next need is I matter. Wow. We are not only connected, but everybody needs to have um, their sense of dignity, sense of honor, sense of respect, sense of um, being seen and honored bestowed upon them. Mm -hmm. There are many people who are invisible in this world. They go through life, they are, their names not being called. They are, they're, they're, nobody sees them, welcome them, and honor them. We are, as being, are wired to be recognized and for us to recognize others. So the need of mattering, that you matter to somebody. Yes. And others matter to you. It's a very essential human need. We feel depressed. We feel isolated. We feel angry when we are not. The other need I make, we are in this world, in this lifetime, to do something. The question is, is the thing you do, the work you do, is it your work? Do you like it? Whether you are a farmer, you feel you work in a field, you live in a corporate environment, you're an executive, you are a day laborer, whatever you do, it's your work. Can you relate to it? Are you enjoying it? And if not, that will have a punish, punishing impact on your life, in your psychology. And uh, many of us, me included, you have compromises. You have to pay the bill. You have car payment. You have kids in college. You have to do whatever it takes to pay the bill. But the question is, is that your thing? If not, make a move. Find the work that matters to you, makes you come alive. The next need that I talked about earlier, I am. This is about your voice, your identity, your conviction, the thing you believe in. Are they being heard? Are you sharing that? Doesn't mean your ideas are the best ideas. Sometimes the ideas can be pretty bad, you know, like the, irrelevant. You can work on them to improve them, but this is about you being you and sharing your information, your belief, and your conviction with the world. Take a stand. Yes. The final need, which usually becomes more 
relevant, becomes obvious to us, kicks in around the age 30, 35, is the need of eyesore. This is about where you're going in life. There's a statement behind me on the wall that says by Maya Angelou, the American poet, philosopher, writer. The statement says, there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. That what is the story of your life? Many of us, that was me for many years, that you go through life like an autopilot. You have things to do. But zooming out, what do you want to have remembered on your last breath? What did you do in this life? That everybody has a story. Eight billion people on this earth, eight billion stories. Know your story that will help to set you apart and make you come alive. Many times our depression is that you know you have a story. And for a number of reasons, good reasons, you don't live your story. That's how you come home. Know your story and you come in home. Wow, Dr. Imran, that is just a beautiful stretch of needs and essential necessities in life that you just shared to us. I, I love that last bit there. Like there is no greater agony than a story as your story that is not being yeah. told. And I love how you wrapped it around. Like, how do you come home? You tell That's your story, right. you come back to your story and you know your story. And it's yeah. so important. It's such a, it's almost like a, uh, like, it's almost like we expect to know this, right? You expect yeah. like, yeah, it's too obvious, but yeah. we need to be reminded. We need to be taught. We need to know how to, come back to ourselves, come back to our story, come home unto ourselves. Dr. Miran, as much as I would love to keep you any longer and pick your wisdom, ask more of your, of your book, of course, but the audiences need to buy that for, for sure. I am sold. I will love to get me my own copy, of Thank course. You. Thank but you. I would love to wrap this around. The way I always wrap this around is, of course, is the aspirations of Dr. Moran. But in this mm -hmm. case, I'd like to frame it in that when you emphasize the importance of embracing emotional struggles as yeah. like an opportunity for growth, yeah, yeah. Um, because people will keep experiencing more, more of this from here on out. Yeah. How do you see transformative psychology, nice, nice. so to speak, and what you do how do you see that impacting the future and how nice, do we nice. manage that more? Thank and you. Thank you. how do we manage challenging times and what is the future for Dr. Moran? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love your question, Joshua, in terms of what do you do? How do we go forward? The, what you mentioned, what I'm sharing with you, in essence, is not new. Human beings, they've known this knowledge throughout the mankind, all the way to Greek philosophers. Nobody yeah. has put them together the way I have in a coherent and research-based knowledge. So the way to answer your question, think about it this way. Whether you're in a business, you're managing a business, and you look at the finances of your organization, corporation, or you manage your family finances, basically managing finances come to two things. 
One is you manage your debt, your expenses, your credit card, the money you need to pay every month to basically have what you need. That is basically managing your risk, your liabilities. The other part is investment in making money, bringing more wealth in. And uh, whether you invest in the stock market, you sell product, you bring more revenue, it's always portfolio management. Yes. The field of psychology up to now has been managing risk, managing liability. You go to doctors, the doctor, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I have obsessive compulsive. They're trying to help you be less of a bad thing, less depression, less anxiety, so on. The psychology has not taught us how to increase your emotional wealth. Right how to grow, what are the ways you grow, what are your investment options? So in some way, I think about emotional rights as investment portfolio. Where do you invest your money? How do you grow wealth, how do you emotional wealth? And once you do that, a happier life is a balanced life. You have more growth coming versus just managing risk and liabilities. Wow. So the way you do that, from the time you're born, like emotional rights, parents don't give it to us. Teachers, politicians, mayors, bosses. We are born wired to experience them. Once you know those, you can raise your kids like that. You can have relationship based upon needs of your partner, your spouse, families, coworkers. So the, knowing these emotional rights, everybody needs them, everybody deserves them, and we all go it at it differently. Right. So our right is my right and your right. Not only I want to help you fulfill your right, you can help me fulfill my rights. Yes. And this is a part we all can become wealthy, emotionally wealthy, the way we help each other. That's my vision for the future, knowing them and let's everybody be wealthy because for me, feel emotional wealth does not deprive you as your emotional wealth. In fact, we can... Yes help rise everybody that way. Dr. Moran, those are all beautiful, beautiful lines and wisdom that you're sharing us today. Emotional wealth. And I love that you said that deprive, um, increasing my emotional wealth does not deprive you of your emotion. It's just beautiful. That's right. That's right. That's Dr. Right. Murat, I'd like to give you this opportunity. Where can we find you? How can we connect with you? Where can you great, find your book? great. Thank Where you. Can we find you. So here's my book. Is to see that you are not depressed. You are unfinished. That it's available on Amazon, and um, it's it can be ordered actually globally. I know it's been sold in Asia, multiple countries throughout the U.S., Canada, and throughout the Europe and Middle East. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became a bestseller. Amazon new release when it came out. Um, number one, number two, you can go on my website. That what I shared with you is on the website, um, which is the Ardashir Mehrant. Uh, if you just do search, it will come up. Uh, and you can read about emotional right. There's a downloadable material, you see that. And also I'm active, especially on LinkedIn and very soon on the Instagram that is sharing with information about my work in small doses. Mm -hmm. Starting in March, I will be giving seminars that helping people once a month, the first, Sunday of everyone walking people to a journey of emotional wealth buildup. We start with I belong, then I matter, 
And I saw that we will, it'll be two hours every Sunday, Pacific time, that when you come over there, you learn about it. I will guide you through that. I will give you a client example, the science behind it, and there will be document people can share online. And then for the rest of the month, there will be exercises to build your emotional rights. So I want to do this for people to attend and actually do a buildup. The way you go to the gym, you build core muscles, hear your emotional buildup in a very thoughtful and gradual way so that by end of this year, by end of the summer, you are in a much better state in life. Dr. Moran, you have enriched our lives in these past few minutes that you've been with us. Um, Thank you. What a way to introduce these opportunities where we can enrich our lives further. Um, I invite our audience and listeners, check out the book, buy yourself a copy. Um, definitely check out the website. I will check it out myself, especially the bill Wonderful. price up there on the website that you can download. And of course, this new program, I want I want to stress on this again, Dr. Marion, what does it start and what is the name again? Yeah, uh, the program, I don't have a name for it yet. I'm working on it. Oh. But it will be on my website and I will announce it. They go on my LinkedIn, I'm sorry, on my website, get on the mailing list. Okay. They will mailing list, sign up, it will come up. All right, fantastic. Audiences and listeners, yes, sign up on the mailing list. We need to yes. for this. Dr. Moran, thank you for your message, your wisdom. Thank you for enriching the lives of those around you and thank you for realizing and helping us that we are... You know, we're just a work in progress. All of us. That's right. Absolutely. Love that. Exactly. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much, Joshua. Thank you so much, listeners. And hopefully I'll be seeing my class. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.